You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another episode of our Locker Room Podcast, where we have a live show with a live audience answering all of your questions live on the Locker Room app, currently available on iOS devices. So if you want to join in, make sure you download it. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the, what is my title again, Eric? (laughs) (laughs) Editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Eric over there is our managing editor of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Eric Schlitt with a K. Eric, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you for the laugh there. Uh, yeah, no problem. And Ryan Matthews, the senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is here as well at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, we're doing a night session today. How's that? It's it's different than a morning session. <laughs> That's the kind of insight that you guys are going to get tonight uh, as we talk about the latest news, the latest analysis, all that sort of stuff. Um, Before we jump into any questions, and if there is anyone in our live audience that wants to ask questions, feel free to put them in the chat. Or if you want to come on the show itself, um, request uh, being a speaker here. Um, But let's start off with the franchise tag, because that's obviously the big news of the week so far. Lions decide not to use it on Kenny Galladay, not to use it on Romeo Quara. Um, I think all three of us are pretty much in agreement of, of what we think about this, but uh, we did a live show on our YouTube and Twitch pages. You guys weren't part of those, so uh, I'm going to give the floor to you guys. Let's start with you, Ryan. Uh, initial thoughts on, on the lines passing on the franchise tag. I was satisfied with it. Like, I was content with it. I think I kind of saw it coming um, with the Tyrell Williams signing. Not to say that they couldn't have fit both those players underneath their cap, but I think it was just a sign of, of things to come um, for, for Kenny Galladay, especially once we got the news that he wasn't interested in signing an 18 or even potentially $19 million contract last offseason. Um, it really seemed like the writing was on the wall for Kenny Galladay. He's somebody who's going to get paid probably more than $16 million on the open market. Yeah. Uh, even even under you know the, the salary cap came out today. <clears throat> it's finally set at $182.5 million, but there's going to be somebody out there who can pay him more than $16 million. So two things happen with the Kenny Galladay um, departure. One, I think the Lions can move forward and um, hopefully eventually be compensated with a, with a third-round compensatory pick. And Kenny Galladay gets what he wants, and he clearly wanted to get paid. You feeling uh, similarly, Eric? 
Yeah, I definitely feel like he wanted to get paid. You got to remember, he entered the league at 24 because he was a, a fifth year senior at, at, in college. So he's 27 now, and uh, he he's maybe got one really good contract in his prime to cash in on. So uh, I definitely understand him wanting to hold out. I do wonder, though, um, that some of the issues surrounding the uh, the offer from uh, Bob Quinn, the 18 million plus that was on when he had a, a different agent. And so uh, he's since moved on from that agent. So I, I wonder how, what the workings around that, uh, you know, played into was the, was it the agent that turned it down? Was it Kenny that turned it down? What were, were there other parameters that went into It's just a, it's a unique situation um, kind of following what, uh, what happened to him during this last year with the contract stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think it comes down to the fact of this is your rebuilding and uh, it, it's, it hurts to lose one of your better players, uh, maybe one of your top five, six players. But, um, you know, Brad Holmes has to put a, his mark on this team. And I don't know if he can do that by, you know, putting strapping himself to a $16 million uh, wide receiver or more. So uh, I understand the logic of not of, of moving on from him and not wanting to franchise. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a tough pill to swallow losing uh, another one of the, you know, few good players that we had. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think it, it... It goes to show that maybe this isn't the the retool that they tried to market it in their introductory press conferences. I mean, we're, we're potentially seeing the Lions really get rid of three of their top five players in one off season, and this and we're talking about a team that went five and eleven last year. So, um, you know, you, you're kind of draining the the pool of of of, of what little talent it already had. But I, I think maybe we should have seen this on the wall, and maybe some of us did with what Brad Holmes said last week when he said. You know, you can turn around a wide receiver room really quickly. We did it in 2017 with the Rams. We drafted a couple guys in one year. We traded for another guy. We got another guy in free agency. Like, that was kind of Brad Holmes saying, like, I know it looks bad right now, but we got this. And it might not be this year. They don't really need to fix it all in one offseason because they're not in a place where they're, they're necessarily going to contend next year. But um, I, I, I agree with him. Like, you, you can definitely make aggressive moves. And, and if Brad Holmes learned anything from his days in Los Angeles – they're, they're going to be aggressive here, and uh, maybe it won't be this offseason, but but I would expect in, in the next offseason or, or the one after, this team is going to go and, and attack the needs that they have and, and attack them hard. And so, yeah, it, like you, like everyone said, it, it stinks losing good players. Um, I think some of the anger towards Kenny Galladay is a little misguided. I, I think once that $18, 19000000 million report came out, people are like, oh, he just doesn't want to be here. Well, I mean, if you listen to everything Kenny Galladay has ever really said, he does want to be here. He just felt he deserved 20 million and like you said this might be his only go around it to really potentially get that 20 million and yeah um i don't i don't know if he still gets it after you know only playing five games last year and, and everyone dealing with covid caps and things like that but um i don't i don't blame him for going for it um it, it might end up looking like a mistake turning down what they did last year but um it, it's hard to blame him it, it's hard to use kind of hindsight to to justify um the decision there I, I, I think the best thing that happened that happened to Kenny Galladay in the last 24 hours is Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin getting tagged. Yeah, because now I think he is the clear away best guy and he can uh, he can wait out some of these contracts a little bit easier mm -hmm. than if those two guys were both on the market as well. I agree with you, Eric. I think what's so interesting surrounding the national media's narrative, though, it seems like all of these top wide receiver free agent lists start with Juju Smith-Schuster. 
and then yeah. move on from there. So it's it's kind of strange how there's that national perception that like you know Juju is is more appealing than Kenny Galladay when I don't think that could be any further from the truth. When when I looked at um, some of the different, I think the, the Athletic has them real ranked real close to one another. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I think Kenny fits the mold of a number one better than Juju. Just not that Juju's not. Um, it's just he's more stylistically a a traditional number one. And, and I with the way offenses are changing, I guess you can definitely you know make an argument for Juju. Uh, but I think Kenny's the the better player. Um, you know, for for a team looking for a, a true number one. Yeah. All right. One of the cool things about the locker room app is we can bring speakers right on the show with us. So uh, our good friend Nathan wants to come on. Nathan, how you doing, buddy? Good. How y'all doing, man? Good, good. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, likewise. Uh, man, Whew, a lot going on. Uh, so I got three questions. They're kind of like small questions, but I kind of want y'all to discuss them. Sure. Um, First one is, do you think that Kenny Galladay's age played a factor in giving him a big contract? Um, you mentioned he was already 27 and maybe not wanting to um, give a big contract to somebody who's going to be 30 in three years. Second of all, um, do you think that it's essential now we draft a receiver at that uh, pick if we don't trade down? And the third question is, do you have any faith in Quintus Cephas? And if you do, where do you think he would stand on the team? Great questions, all of them, and uh, all, all on the Kenny Galladay co- t- topic here too. So uh, perfect. Let me let's let's I guess start at the beginning there, uh, and let's see if I can use my short term memory. Sorry, man. I get, I, I get, I get age. Into a mouth. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So so does age play a part in this? And I, I think the the short answer is probably yes. I mean, by the time he comes off of whatever this contract is going to be, he's definitely going to be over 30, 31, 32. Will the Lions be competitive by then? Maybe. Um, you have to imagine if the Lions were to theoretically sign him to a four or five year deal, they'd probably backload it because of the, the cap constraints this year, which means, you know, he could be upwards of twenty three, twenty four million dollar cap hit by that time. And is, is that how you want your roster constructed necessarily? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's worth a debate. I think I think there's a chance that he could have helped this team potentially compete for a division title or maybe even more in, in three years and four years. And, and that's something that I'm sure Brad Holmes seriously had to consider. Um, but, but I do think age played somewhat of a factor. I mean, when you, when you, I think when you combine age and the injuries, um, you know, the older you get, the, the longer it takes for your body to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly attest to that as a, as an almost 35 year old at this point, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, do you think age played a, a significant factor here? I, I think Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I look. We're we're ta- when we talk about Marvin Jones, we're we're looking at Marvin saying, "Oh man, Marvin's been in the league so such a long time. He's uh, he's a, he's an aging receiver, and he's probably not going to get a deal that he got previously. He's only three years older than Kenny. Like yeah. that that's how close they are in age. Like Kenny's going to be twenty eight. Like he's twenty seven now. He's going to be twenty eight. So if you do give him a four year deal because you're expecting to be competitive in year three of that deal. That means you're banking on a 31 year old receiver to be your number one. That's like saying, okay, Marvin's going to be our number one. Like I think definitely age was a, a big factor in, in their reasoning for not giving him the franchise tag. Yeah, I think it had something to do with it too. But um, your second question, uh, Nathan was something along the lines of does Kenny Galladay's departure 
um, you know, lock the Lions in at, at taking a wide receiver at seven or, or have them strongly considering it. And I think that it 100% does um, because yes, it, 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 it depends on the talent, though, really. I mean, um, I mean, you might get one of your dealer's choice there, whether or not it's Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase or, um, you know, whoever it may be um, sitting there or even, you know, Jalen Waddle. So I think any of those three guys are in play. Um, for me personally, if I'm choosing my flavor of ice cream, like Jamar Chase is just like a surefire pick. Oh, that would be a dream. Twice. That would I mean, be a dream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't. You, I don't think. I don't think you think twice if a guy like him is sitting there at number seven, who I think is far and away the best receiver in this class. So, um, yeah. How, how do you feel about that, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think it locks them in, so to speak, um, but it definitely makes a pick like that all the more logical. Uh, I, yeah, I'm of I mean, the belief that for, the depth, line... for depth, you're talking Tyrell Williams and you're talking Quintus Cephas right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, and I do expect them to, to add another free agent um, in, in the upcoming weeks, because we, we've heard it from the lines themselves. They don't really want to box themselves into a position at this point. So I don't, I don't think it's locked in at seven at, at any point, because I, I mean, there's just so many needs on this team that, I don't really think it matters what order you, you take him in, but when you put together need and the talent at the top of this draft class, like it just makes too much sense. There's going to be one of those three receivers available. And it, I mean, or if you, I mean, we could talk Kyle Pitts again, if we really want to, No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but I mean, that but it all goes to coward, the point where Nathan. like, this no, is, this... I don't, I don't believe in Pitts, man. I, I mean, I like Hawk, man. I, I, I want a receiver, but, but also, too, the, the, my thought process of why you take a receiver at that position is you got to give Goff every chance to be successful. Sure. And I mean, you got to put weapons around him. I mean, if you if you if you're rolling out with Tyrell Williams and Quintus Cephas, Goff's going to struggle. <laughs> I mean, right. Hawk will have a big year, but he's going to struggle. So you got to get a burner. You got to get somebody like a Chase would be amazing. Uh, yeah. I think you, you you replace Kenny Galladay with Jamar Chase. The hands, the speed, the the size. Oh my God, man! That guy's going to be a hell of a receiver. Even a, <laughs> even Smith too. I'd be okay with that. Eric, what are your thoughts on on the draft and and I guess maybe we'll sort to free agency too. Do you think the Lions are are done at wide receiver for free agency? No, I, I expect them to add in free agency, uh, and I do think a wide receiver is in play, but not a lock. Um, I the talent is there, that's for certain. Uh, but there's some other players that are going to be graded. I think around the same. Uh, around the same level, like maybe a couple, you got a couple offensive tackles. You're going to have quarterbacks. Uh, Pitts is going to be in that mix, even if it's not oh, for the Lions. Someone else, someone else is going to be in the mix for Pitts. So, I mean, maybe Pitts is in the mix and he pushes someone down, and so that makes a better option available. I mean, who knows, right? There's there's a lot that can happen between now and the end of April, but um, I don't think it locks them in. I don't think the the whole point of what they're going to design this their strategy around is not getting locked into a spot. I think receiver makes a ton of sense, okay? And um, Chase is going to be the number one guy. Uh, it's a pick em between Waddle and Smith, depending on, on what you prefer. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I do think that they're not going to want to be stuck saying, hey, we have to get one of these guys. It, it'd be nice if we could, but they don't want to be stuck with it. So when you look at receiver in, the, in free agency, they're going to have to add players that give them the ability to not be locked in. So you're going to have to look at guys that have the, that can complement, you know, what you're starting to build. Now, right now you've got um, Quintus Cephas, who is, 
uh, he can either be like an outside X, like Marvin Jones was. He can also be a big slot. But then you also have, um, like you mentioned, Williams. Now, Williams, again, he's kind of like an X, but he, he's a deep threat. So you can kind of look at certain guys like you, you're going to need somebody who can go over the middle. You're going to need somebody who can um, – you know, run some crisper routes. So there, there's some needs that they can go after. And so does Josh Reynolds still fit? Uh, he's familiar with golf, but he's kind of a deep threat. And so he's going to be similar to Williams. So while I think he makes some sense to bring in, he, he's maybe not as pressing. Um, is it better to go after quicker guys like that can play the slot? Um, you know, is it, do you want guys who can get separation like, like um, David Moore, right? Or, 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 um, I'm trying to think of Curtis Samuel, right? Like Curtis is going to cost a lot of money, but you might be able to find some cheaper options of guys that can fill the roles that you want. Um, Those are the kind of the guys that that's I just stand out, I guess, off the top of my head is um, Is Corey Davis a free agent. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He is. I would like Corey Davis, man. I think we can maybe get him for a smaller deal to kind of prove it to him, prove it before he gets paid. Spot track estimates he'll make around 10 million. Uh, per year if you want to go after him and and he look he was drafted to be a number one and he's a guy who never lived up to that billing and he got passed over in tennessee uh by brown but um i I think dave there's some ceiling to davis he played at western so there's some you could bring him back home for sure um he wouldn't be a bad option look if you told me that they're going to land Corey davis and then they're going to get like a a guy who can separate then yeah i think yeah then they're going to have some good options that's some good additions in free agency and then they're absolutely not stuck having to go after a receiver early, uh, but they would still have that option with those guys. Yeah, I mean it's it's important to remember the the wide receiver they just signed was to a one year deal, so nothing long <laughs> there, there's nothing long term that's set on this team. I think wide receiver is going to be an option there at seven, regardless of what they do in free agency. But it, like you said, I don't think it's necessarily going to be locked into it. Um, before before we move on, let, let's talk about Quinn Cephas really quickly because I'm kind of interested in, in your guys' opinion on this. I was actually thinking about this earlier today. And just kind of noting the speed that it seems like the Rams have really loved to have with their wide receiver core, not to say that the Lions are going to do exactly the same uh, as the Rams, but Quintus Cephas isn't that speed guy. Like you said, he's kind of the big slot guy. Does he still fit in this team's plans or was he kind of just like, uh, he was better with the old regime and not to say you should give up on a, a guy who just finished his rookie season, but this might not be the place for him. Do Do you guys feel that at all? I, I don't. I, I think he can play in this league. I think he can play on this team. Um, I do like him better as a slot option um, because of the way that he wins, right? Uh, he doesn't have that speed, so that's going to limit some of what he can do as an X. And I think we saw that uh, last year when he when um, early in the season when, when Kenny was hurt and they yep. had Cephas filling in for him. Uh, it was it was hard for him. It was he he was getting targeted like you know eight ten times a game, but he was only making like two catches, and and that's because I don't think that's that works well with what he does to be successful. He's he's a body type player. He's a lot of he's a lot like Anquan Bolden, right? Where he's a guy who's not going to win with speed, but he's going to outbody you, he's going to outmuscle you, and he has good explosion. And those are assets that you can win in, with in the slot. It's he can win a lot of the ways that TJ Hawkinson wins if Hawkinson was smaller in a receiver. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. just the the style of routes, the the way that they use their body to position things. So I, I do think there's a role for him, and I, I do think he maybe he starts, but maybe he's in that 
wide receiver three, wide receiver four combo where he's like platooning with that third receiver. And, and, but he, I, I, I do think he's, there, there's no reason to give up on him at worst. He's your wide receiver four. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, I don't think that this team can afford to give up on a guy like Quintus Cephas at this point. Like sure. whether or not he belonged to, you know, a, a past offensive scheme or, or doesn't even fit, fit in with this new one. Like it's just almost by necessity that like you need to, at least see if that guy can do anything for you. Fair point. All right, Nathan, uh, appreciate the questions. Yeah, as thanks, always. guys. Appreciate the insight, always. Yeah, no problem. Um, I am going to take the next question from our text chat. We had a really good question right at the top from John. He asked, why did news leak on Trufant's release but not the others? Are Lions trying to see if they can trade any of those guys? Um, that, that's It's an interesting question because, yeah, if you missed it, uh, the Trufant release is not official at this point. The Lions have not announced it, and I believe Schefter's report said the Lions are going to do it at the beginning of the league year. Um, so I'm curious, Eric, do you have a, a theory as to why they, they may have leaked that one? Yeah, I think that's an agent leak. Um, yeah. I, I think the agent is wanting to get his name out there and so that teams are aware that he's going to be a free agent and that you they should maybe you know keep him in their possible plans like hey if you need a you need a veteran who has some speed and has started basically his whole career you know this is a guy that's going to be out there so th- this smells like an agent leak to me if, if that's the case though why announce the christian jones release like it's just it's weird to see the lines be a little inconsistent because we know in the past they've just been like complete lockdown let's not say anything <clears throat> until we absolutely have to yeah, no, why are they why are they waiting? I have no idea why they're waiting, right? <laughs> yeah. Um like it that it doesn't make sense. We've looked at the language, we've talked about this um, you know, behind the scenes and we've tried to figure out like uh, what reasoning is there to to wait on him and i really don't know because he's not a june 1st candidate which is something like if you're waiting uh, to release a guy because you want him to be a june 1st candidate you got to wait till the new year if i'm not mistaken and so that and he and he's not because he's um he's only got one year left so with he can't be a june 1st candidate it doesn't work like that so um i don't know why they're waiting i really don't yeah Um, it's weird yeah, my thought process was that they were going to release everybody. Like they were going to be like, "Here, here's these six guys. We're all releasing all of them." But right. then they release Christian Jones. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on why they're uh, they're hesitating. Maybe maybe they talked to him and 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 they told him and and you know it was I don't know. Maybe they talked to Jones and Jones was like, "Hey, can you release me early so that I can get a head start?" And yeah. then they granted them that. Maybe Trufant didn't care for that. Maybe Trufant just wanted his contract to expire and then go from there the traditional way i really i I really don't have a logical answer yeah it's pretty weird uh and 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 one we'll probably never get the answer to honestly teams just seem to operate on their their own little island there and we just we're left to to kind of take the hints up um but yeah it's a weird situation but um i think i think there might be a chance that they're trying to explore a desmond trufant trade i just i don't think there's going to be any takers with that high Mm. uh high salary he's got All right, let's bring on one of our speakers again. Uh, looks like we've got Damon that wants to join us. Damon, how are you doing tonight? 
Not bad. How's it going, guys? Good, good. Hey, I just wanted to say um, congratulations to Eric. It's a good, Thank uh, you. He's a good writer, man. I love all your work. Both of you guys, you do really well. Glad you merged. Thank you. Long time coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my question is, um, from a uh, free agency standpoint, do you think the guys will go after – you think the team will go after um, someone like a Samson Ekbon or a Trey Hendrickson – uh, and because this, you know we don't know what the salary cap's really going to look like when it's all said and done, but to be able to get some some uh, somebody in the front seven that can really do some some damage would be really good. And then my second question is, um, would it be you think the team would look at someone like a Rashawn Slater for number seven? And you talk about uh, looking after Jared Goff. What about protecting him um, with an offensive lineman with a tackle? Um, I want to start at Samson Epicon because I know Eric, you and I have talked a little bit behind the scenes about him, and I think we're both in agreement that that's a, a logical fit, right? Love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love him. I, I, I absolutely would like to take him uh, in free agency. I would make him one of the top guys that I would go after. And I, I don't think you're really going to be breaking the bank on him either. Um, but I think he's a guy who – was a starter at their uh, at their will on the line position, and so I think he's a guy who could come in and fill that same role. Um, he would. He, he, there's just so much to like about him. He can pass rush. He can do a little bit of dropping into coverage. There's there's a lot of elements to his game that I think would translate uh, very easily. Yeah, it's funny because I think maybe that's why they didn't want to sign a core. Maybe that that's in the cards going forward. I mean, Eric, we talk on Twitter a lot, so we kind of in each other's heads when it comes to some free agency <laughs> stuff. Uh, and then what about John Johnson the third? You think his price tag's a little too high? If you don't mind me asking, then we can get this later. I 100% think John Johnson should be their number one target. I, there's not a question in my mind that they should go after him. Um, they, they, there's a need there. There's a need there immediately. There's a need there in the future because you're going to uh, – Tracy Walker's on the last year of his contract. Um you need a guy who can hold the back end of this defense. And John mm-hmm. Johnson is the perfect player to bring in. I would be going after him hard if I were the Lions. Uh, I'm, right. I'm curious. Uh, to, I want to throw it to Ryan real quick uh, about John Johnson because I think he's been a, a name that's thrown around a ton. And I, to me, like I'm, I'm in full agreement with Eric, but I guess my only reservation would be throwing a lot of money at the safety position. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're, Ryan, do you think is that worth potentially spending you know double digits per year on i not for this team not right now and i I can't imagine that there are a lot of teams who are of sound salary cap that are making those types of decisions like i was i was pretty shocked to see you know what the saints did especially with the salary cap situation that they're in yeah Yeah. for, for, for as good as marcus williams is it just doesn't seem like that position is that important like uh, yes, the safety position is. I mean, it it, it does bear on, on your defense, but like, I, I think that even seeing like a guy like Jamal Adams like leave the Jets. I mean, it, I mean, yes, the Jets were bad, but like, was Jamal Adams that much of a difference? So, and I don't know. So, just the safety position. I think John Johnson is is an incredible talent. It's just I'm wondering what this market is going to dictate for him. Um, the other the other name that you mentioned, Damon, was was Trey Hen- uh, Hendrickson, and I think that's a really interesting name, um, especially for a Lions team that just lost a guy like Romeo Okwara. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if you want to replace a guy like Okwara because maybe you're potentially worried that he might get more money than Hendrickson, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to move on to Hendrickson for a guy who – 
kind of had just like some average grades to start his career, but really came on last year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, he's he's really like that true pass rusher that the Lions have missed for so many years and that we've pounded the table for in so many different drafts. But he is a guy who's probably going to cost like in the neighborhood of like 10 to $11 million per year. So yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. It's, but then again, we're, 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 we're making up all these contracts with a, with a tight salary cap. So who knows how things are going to look. What's interesting is that every positive characteristic that you just assigned to Hendrickson is the exact same positive characteristic you could assign to Aquara, right? Late bloomer going to cost about 10 million, right? Like those are all, I mean, they, their careers have a, have a similar arc other than, uh, but Hendrickson, I think is a little bit more established than Aquara was early. Yeah. And you also have that level of familiarity too, right? And I, I don't know if whether or not the, you know, the Lions and being in the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia era has kind of like broke our brains. Cause like even was it the other day when Malcolm Butler got released, I was like, Oh, it might be a lot. No, no. <laughs> yeah. just, because, just because he has ties. <laughs> doesn't mean yeah, that speaking, They're, they're going to be the guy. Yeah. Go ahead. David. Speak, speaking of that, sorry, I was going to say, I don't want everybody to start panicking because familiarity when it comes to the saints and the Rams, but right. typically what our coach said that, you know, teams do is the familiarity as mentioned. Uh, and he mentioned the things that they're not good at as well as being something that they need to know for the players that they bring in, which That's is smart. Right. Just want to get to the Rashawn Slater for seven pick thought from you guys real quick yeah. before we go. Yeah, just to, to kind of frame this, um, he had his pro day workout, I believe it was, t- no, it was yesterday. And uh, basically six different teams sent their offensive line coach to, to watch it. And one of those was the Detroit Lions, Rashawn Slater, probably the top, the, 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 the second best offensive tackle in this class, Maybe an option at seven. It would kind of be an out of the box pick there. Um, Eric, do you think it's it? There's a chance at seven, or is it more of a a trade down scenario, or maybe even a round two scenario? I, I think, and he's an option at seven. Uh, I think a trade down would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the second uh, ranked offensive tackle, pretty much on everyone's board except Daniel Jeremiah, who actually has him as the number one option over mm-hmm. Sewell. So, um, and, and Slater is actually his number is, uh, is Jeremiah's number seven player overall. So yeah, I, I do think there's, there's going to be a lot of talk surrounding him because he's very athletic. Um, he, he checked in yesterday, uh, taller than what most had expected. His, um, he's, he's, so he's, he was expected to be like six, three, he's actually six, four and a quarter. Um, his arm length is only 33, which is going to scare a lot of people, but, Taylor Decker, uh, well, but but t- Taylor Decker's uh, thirty three and three quarters. So right. I mean, it's not that big of, uh, of a deal, you know. And especially when you look at how Slater plays, like a lot a lot of the reason that they want long uh, arms on offensive tackles is because the way that the tackles are trained is uh, you kick slide and then you absorb and then you're trying to keep guys at a distance, to create a, a, a wider corner. With Slater, he actually goes after. He t- his first step isn't back. It's it's to the side and almost forward. So he actually goes after. If you watch him against Ohio State and when he played against Chase Young uh, in 2019, uh, he 
absolutely went after Chase Young and he and he had a he I think he outplayed him that game like he had a fantastic game and it's because of his aggressive mentality and how he blocks and I think he chews up distance where the arms don't really even matter for him he has experience playing right tackle he was a left tackle the last two years but he played his first year as a right tackle he's a guy who could kick in the guard if you needed him to do that but in my opinion he would be in play you, you plug him in at, at right tackle you now got bookend guys with at least two of your three spots in the interior freed up. Uh, you don't have to worry about Tyrell Crosby on an expiring contract. You can keep Vitae at guard if you need to. You can replace him. You can upgrade him. You can do whatever you need to. But I definitely think from a long-term perspective, Slater is a guy who would be in the mix at seven. It sounds convincing, doesn't it? And I think about <laughs> the run game with him as well, right? Yeah, he's not he's he's not super dominant, but like I said, he's aggressive, right? And mm-hmm. so that aggressive mentality is gonna is going to pay benefits. He's not gonna like he's not a road grader, okay? But because he's because his first step is towards a defender, that's always going to help him, you know, get to his edge early. It's always it's going to help him seal off his blocks, and his athleticism is going to help him, you know, be a, win more often than not. And so. Um, for me, he's he's in the mix. He, him and the receivers are are going to be, or the two tackles and receivers are going to be up there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not ruling him out by a long shot. All right, thanks a lot, guys. No problem, David. Thanks for the question. All right, let's bring in another speaker. We've got DJ on the line. DJ, how you doing, man? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. I was curious, and Ryan, you kind of touched on this. Are you surprised by any of the players tagged or released so far? Uh, well, we didn't we didn't really get to Romeo Okora in the first question that you asked us, Jeremy. Like we talked about sure. Kenny Galladay pretty extensively, but we didn't talk too much about Romeo Okora. I, you know, neither of the tags or I guess the the lack of a uh, use of a tag um, really surprised me with either player. Um, we covered the Kenny Galladay a little bit earlier. Um, just seems like when his prime coincides with you know his contract. Um, you know, being at its most expensive, like you're hoping to be a competitive team. So um, that didn't surprise me. Um, but the, the Aquara didn't really surprise me either because like, you know, the, I think Eric just made a really good point about how Aquara is this late bloomer and like, I, you don't put too much stock into sack numbers, but he also is a guy who matched his, you know, career total in one season. So um, is he a late bloomer? Is he somebody who has even a higher ceiling? I, I'm, I'm just not sure. Maybe maybe he was just the the best player on a really bad defense. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think there's something to it that he he is a good player. But um, I mean, for a franchise tag, you're talking upwards of how much was it like 14 no, the one additional question I kind of want to throw out here and then maybe we'll get to some some other guys that are franchise tag across the league. Are we 100 percent sure Romeo Aquar is gone? Like, I don't think any uh, I think re-signing was always kind of the option with him. Franchise tag, like I said, probably too expensive for a guy that's not going to get nearly that much on the free agent market. Are we 100 percent sure he's gone, Eric? No, no, no. I, they've got a week where they can still negotiate with him without any interference. Right. So actually less than a week now. But no, I absolutely think uh, he's in the mix for an extension. And um, eh, look, he, he did play well last year. And he and, and like we, it, and I actually think it's 
he sh- the fact that he played well on that bad defense with no help is a really good sign for his trajectory, right? right. I think he's a player that is ascending. And, and, and so um, I would like to see him signed long term. I do think the franchise tag, uh, like Ryan said, it was not in play because it was just too cost prohibitive. But um, yeah, I, I, a four year deal. You know, for like forty, forty-four million dollars, that would be great. And then if you kind of backload some of that, I, I, you're really setting him up to be successful. And and I know that the scheme's changing a little bit, and uh, but I think there's he's position flexible enough that he can rush from a standing spot, like like at the uh, the old Jack position. I think he can kick inside and get some work in it at a three technique, kind of like how Trey Flowers did. So there's a lot to like about him. I, I do think that uh, if I was if I was Holmes, I would be trying to bring him back. And then I, I want to look across the league. And actually, let's keep it in the NFC North. Were either of you surprised that Allen Robinson got tagged? Not because, I mean, the Bears obviously need weapons on that offense, but he doesn't seem like a guy that really wants to be there all that much. And putting the franchise tag on him is probably only making him more upset. I think he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think he wanted that at all. I, I, I don't blame him either. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that always amazes me about Allen Robinson is that him and Kenny Galladay are almost the same age. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Poor poor guy is just never, ever, ever going to play for a good quarterback, is he? No, you're jinxing it right now, Jeremy, because Russell <laughs> Now they're gonna get Russell gonna Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh any anything else, DJ, before we move on to the next question? No, appreciate it. All right, thanks for joining the show, man. Yep. See ya. All right, up next we got Josh. Josh, how you doing, man? How's it going, guys? Can you hear me? Yep. Loud and clear. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so I have a question more revolving around uh, Jared Goff. So I can understand why the Lions wouldn't want to franchise tag Gallet just because of the cap situation and such. But with if the goal here is to have, which which reports have indicated that. We want Jared Goff to succeed, you know, be the starter. If we're not keeping talent, how are we going to expect him to succeed? Because let's let's call spade a spade here. I don't think even if we had kept Galladay, that room wouldn't have been nearly as good as what the Rams had. So I feel like this move, even if we draft someone, I feel like it's still kind of detrimental to him. So do you think this indicates that Goff is more of a placeholder or just see if we have, see like just throw stuff to him and see what, we can, see what he can work with? Or... That- yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good question. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, that exact thing. Like, you can't you can't leave the cover bare for, for Jared Goff if, if you want to give him a fair shot for this job. Um, the question is, do you give him the – I think the question is, do you give him the fair shot this year or do you next year? Um, because I think you're right. I don't think there's a, a, a very good chance of this team turning around the wide receiver room this offseason. I don't think that should necessarily even be a goal to do it all in one offseason. But maybe by 2022 you can have things in order and then give Jared Goff his, his real shot. Um, I don't know, Ryan, is, is that how you see potentially the timeline playing out? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that timeline, and, and I'll um, I'll say this as well i think that when you look at that wide receiver room as you mentioned jeremy like i don't think that it can be turned over in, in a year but instead i think people when when they keep not not to say that this is a misconception but as you see a player like kenny galladay leaving and marvin jones leaving and danny amendola all of a sudden it's like okay like where is the ball going to go i think for 
the Lions specifically, like they they have this ability to give Goff a foundation, like in terms of Frank Ragnow, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, Taylor Decker. Like these are like more like tight to the line foundational pieces that I think they can build out from. Does that make any sense? Like they have like these good these pieces around Goff that can fit like a a play action scheme, something that's closer to the line of scrimmage, and then they can build out and add their wide receivers as their as their final pieces for the offense. But I don't think that um, Jared Goff like needs to be judged after just one season. Yeah, you asked where the ball's going to go. I think it's going to be Hawkinson and Swift, the two you just mentioned, right? Those two guys, I think, are going to be the primary options. And then Williams isn't even that isn't that bad of a receiver, anyways. The only reason that he was cut was because he had a big number attached to him, and he was injured last season, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I do think Williams is is flying under the radar here a bit because you know all of our eyes have been fo- so focused on Kenny, but you That's can add, yeah. you can you can add. Um, you can add a receiver in free agency if you can add a receiver in the draft. It's it's not like it's not going to be completely barren, but yeah, man, look, you got a tight end, former tight end for a head coach. You got a Pro Bowl tight end on the roster. That just seems like it's getting tailor made for Hawkinson to have another season even better than he did last season when he was like the third highest statistical tight end in the league, right? So, um, that's kind of, that that's my guess. I, I you know, when they turned the Rams uh receiver room around, they did what it took two years, right? So that fits the timeline you guys were talking about anyways. Um so I mean, yeah, make that makes a lot of sense that that you know, he's going to get two f- full years probably to see what he can do. Uh any other questions, Josh, before we move on? No, that's oh, it. Thank you guys. That's all. Yeah, no problem, Josh. Thanks for thanks for joining the show. Appreciate it. All right. Let's uh we got another speaker request. Let's bring on Trip. Trip, can you hear us? Yep. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, thanks. I uh, just wanted to quickly – this is kind of a little off the radar, um, which hopefully is a good thing. I'm curious what you guys <laughs> think of, of uh, Julian Okwara. I mean, I think coming off the leg injury in college and then getting injured again his rookie year and playing in a terrible defense wasn't going to help. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him this year. I mean, I think before he got injured at Notre Dame, he was going to be a, probably a mid to late first-round pick. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And yeah, I, I think there are a lot of young pieces on this defense that we're all kind of eager to see with, you know, I, I hate to say it, but a, a competent coaching staff. Um, <laughs> and I think Julian O'Quara is probably at the very top of that list because, like you said, we didn't get to see much of him last year. And yeah, I think the raw talent is there. The athleticism's there. Um, the, the pass rushing ability is there. He just kind of has to put it all together. And, and, you know, next year will kind of be like his rookie season. So I don't know how much we can expect of it right away, but. Um, he's definitely a guy that I think this team is going to try to build around at least a little bit. Um, Ryan, you feel the same way? I do feel the same way. And uh, I want to say that I'm not reading too much into any Instagram posts that I'm seeing when it comes <laughs> to the Okwaras. Um But, I mean, how much of that can be a motivating factor? Um, I think that's a, another fair question of whether or not, you know, you, you, and, you and Eric both feel like there's a, a, a distinct possibility that the, the Lions could bring back Romeo. So, um, but I'm excited about Julian. I think that there's going to be this weird phenomena with this last draft class from Bob Quinn um, that I wonder if they're going to be written off too quick, too soon by some fans, especially with the way that Okuda played. So um, Okwara is definitely a guy that I think is kind of flying under the radar and a lot of Lions fans aren't really thinking about. 
Yeah, that what happens on that edge is going to be really interesting, right? Now, um, right now it kind of looks like Julian and Austin Bryant are kind of penciled in for that. What was the Jack linebacker role? The Rams call it their Sam, but essentially it's their pass rushing linebacker role, right? Like um, easily one of those who could be the starter next year. But if Romeo were to come back, he could be the starter there as well. And right. then I think Julian actually has the range to play uh, the will. Uh, in this scheme, which is the position that uh, Ubukam played, right? So if you're if you're not going to bring in Ubukam and you bring in, um, you know, you bring Romeo back, well, you could pair both Romeos on the, on either edge there, and then you have uh, Trey Flowers, Danny Sheldon, whoever the other defensive tackle is going to be on the interior, and you can bring both Aquaras off the edge. Um, I, I think that could be something like that has some nice future aspirations to it because they're both talented pass rushers and we we, we really didn't get to see what, what Julian has in the tank. But I, I think the plan it was always he could develop into a like legit off the ball linebacker who can not just pass rush, but he can actually drop into coverage. Like he has those types of skills that he just needs to develop more. Um, he may still be a ways away because with the injuries limiting him last year, but I, I do think he has a lot of potential to, to, uh, to be successful. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up winning a starting role somewhere on this roster. Awesome. Right. Thanks, guys. Uh, and then I'll just quickly, if I can, sorry, real sure. quick, just end on this. Um, oh, by the way, Eric, congratulations. Thank Love you. all your guys' work. So happy to see you guys all working together. Um, I am all aboard finding, like, kind of what they did with Marvin Jones, finding a guy that, that thinks, like, whether it's a number three that thinks they're a number two or one B, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of throwing a four year deal at, like, a pretty relative, hopefully a cheap, a uh, cost-effective solution that could pay off, di- you know, tenfold for a guy like Josh Reynolds or Demarcus Robbins. Those are two interesting names for sure, and and obviously, I think a, a lot has been talked about Josh Reynolds. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I guess my concern is that I'm not sure that I, if, if you're throwing a, a somewhat significant amount of money at the position, I, I'd wonder why you didn't just kind of try maybe a little bit harder with Kenny Galladay, but. And, and and I guess maybe the considering you'd be in a really good place to add a, a rookie with the seventh overall pick, it might not be the route I take. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, if the Lions can somehow find that kind of diamond in the rough on a mid-tier dealer like they did. Because let's be honest, like Marvin Jones, the Lions got a, a, a heck of a deal on that contract. I know it was one of Bob Quinn's first, and it was probably one of his best contracts. And that's why he want. Uh, we, I think we mentioned it on the podcast. Like Marvin Jones feels like he did his time on a, a contract that he wasn't really getting paid to his worth, and so now he's going to go get that bag. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously easier said and do- than done. So committing to a mid tier guy long term might be a little dangerous at this point of of team development. But I'm curious as, as to what you guys think. You might have a different aspect uh, than than I do. Yeah, I I don't have a guy that stands out to me that I'd want to give a four-year deal to. Um, Most of the – I mean, I could see giving Josh Reynolds maybe a three-year deal so that he's still – hanging around um, when you're, when you think that this team's going to be ready to turn a corner in a couple of years. Um, But I don't know if Josh Reynolds is ever going to develop into like to be at the level that Marvin Jones was last year. Right. Um, 
maybe maybe he'll surprise me. He's still young. He's only 26. And when he came out of college, he was a high pointing deep threat that won every ball and he had the the speed to go deep but he hasn't he 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 hasn't been as successful in the NFL doing those things but if he was able to round out his game a little bit more yeah i, I you know there's a shot i think his familiarity with golf makes him very appealing um you know he's he played 70% of their snaps for the rams last year so technically i guess that's a starter role but um well, he, I, I think he was their number three, if I'm not mistaken. So can he be more than that? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I'd be willing to invest four years on him. Uh, but I, I, I think about it. I would think about it pretty hard, actually. Let me let me throw this out at you guys because it's a theory that I, I saw someone throw out. I don't know. I don't know where I read a million things a day. Um, but what what's your thought about maybe just handing out a bunch of one year deals this free agency and kind of hope either you, you find a diamond in the rough and then you have two options. You can either re-sign them, bring them back, or you could potentially score big on a compensatory pick next year because I think a lot of players might be looking for short-term deals, and, and obviously that's not usually the case, but in, in a year in which the the market might not be as, as big this year, maybe they're willing to take a one-year prove-it deal to really cash in next year. Is that is that something that's really feasible, or, if that's, or is that just kind of like fan theory, Madden, you know, mindset type of thing? <laughs> I, I think there's some uh, rose-colored glasses shining on that for sure. But um, I, I I think what the Lions could feasibly do, though, is maybe do some more, like, one-year contracts on, like, more aged veterans. Like, mm-hmm. a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is a really interesting name. A veteran who, um, you know, isn't quite a number one receiver, but he's definitely going to be – a, a good stopgap between this year and next year. Um, I, I think there are some other names that kind of fit that mold too. What, what do you think about that, Eric? Yeah, I, I like the, I, I do. I mean, look, that's that's almost the approach that they took with Williams, right? He's he's twenty nine right. years old, right. and and they said, hey, we're going to give you a one year deal. Even uh, look, I'm sure Anthony Lynn. And, and vouched for him and that earned him a deal. But the fact that he did only get a one year deal is a is saying you got to prove it though. Right. So I, I do like that approach. Um, you, if you can get, you know, a veteran player like Samuels, that's, I think that would be uh, a nice addition. If it's only one year because he wants to get to the next contract, that's fine too. Um, uh, but I do like the the idea of trying to get veteran hands on the field for golf because, you know he can be accurate, right? But he needs two things. He needs an offensive line that can pass protect and some, and people who can separate. And and I think you can get that in some of these guys. You definitely are going to get that in Williams. Um, you can if you can find other guys that can do that, then yeah, I, I I'd like to see some some of that uh, some of those veteran hands on the field too. All right, anything else, Trip? Before we move on to the next speaker? No, that's it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for your question. Appreciate that. All right. It looks like we got Nathan back. Nathan's got another question. And how you doing, Nathan? Hey, man. This Lions talk just opens a lot of questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Hey, we love doing um, it. 
Okay, so two questions. Uh, first off, do you believe this franchise is ready to anoint Amani Arorie as the number one cornerback right now and Jeff Okuda at the two? Or do you think they'll bring in a vet to maybe, you know, maybe they can start along with Amari and kind of bring along Akuda uh, slowly? And the second thing is, um, I believe Josh Reynolds has been undervalued. Um, he's from Texas A&M. I'm a big Texas A&M fan, so I can tell you right now, this guy <laughs> is fast. He can high point the ball. And I think he hasn't got a fair shake because he played with Cup and he played with Woods and he and, and, and Goff loves the tight end. So, you know, he hasn't got a lot of share. But I think he would be a perfect number two for us if we draft like a rookie guy. Like, say, if we get a chase and then we decide maybe to go after uh, – we can get Reynolds on a cheap deal. I think he'd be a perfect two because he's got the speed to play the outside. So – um, let, let's start with Amani because I think if you were to ask fans, they were ready to, to I think, crown him as the number one or number two receiver from or corner since the, the second he was drafted, um, a guy that a lot of people <laughs> thought they might draft in the second round, they get in the fifth round. Um, we're now two years into his, his NFL career, and you know, last year was up and down. I think there was probably more down than up, but, I mean, you could say that of basically anyone on the Lions defense. Yeah. I, I guess the question here is, will the Lions give him a shot or will they create competition? And I think they're going to create competition, mostly because I think the coaching staff has, has already said that. They said they, they, they know they don't like the cornerback depth right now. And, you know, with, with Trufant going, with Coleman potentially going, um, I think, yeah, they're, they're going to add some pieces this year that are going to contend for a starting spot. And I, I mean, I think Okuda you can pretty much pencil down as a starter. Um, they, they spent too much draft resources on it. He's, he showed too much talent uh, in, in the previous years in Ohio State. Um, so I, I think you almost have to start him. Oh, I'm, I'm still not sold on Oruarie as much as other people are, but um, but I don't know, Eric, are, are you are you, you think you know he's essentially at least penciled in as a starter right now? Oh, this, this they're one, two. That's it, yeah. man. They are one two yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Um, look, I, they did mention depth being an issue, but in the same breath, they also said we've got two young corners we like, right? True. So they, I think they're one two. I, I do think that they're going to bring in a veteran, but I don't think that veteran's going to be able to challenge what they want to get out of these guys, even if these two young guys aren't fully there. Okay. Aaron Glenn is going to coach them up. Uh, right, Aubrey, Aubrey Pleasant is going to coach them up. And so I think like, this is this is a lot like a situation, a lot like what they're preparing for the future. And I think they're going to throw these two kids into the fire and just say, you're going to sink or swim and we want you to we want you to swim and we're just going to force you to do it. And we're going to put you in and we're going to play. We're going to start. And then we want you locked in and loaded and being able to roll in, in two years as um, almost exactly what they did with the Saints, right? They took the young guys, they threw them out there, and they made them learn. And, and I think that's the plan with these two. I agree with you, Eric. I think uh, I think it's very similar. Like when they drafted Lattimore, that's really when they turned it around. And, you know, it just happened Lattimore came from Ohio State. Well, Jeff Okuda came from Ohio State. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I think I think they see a lot of, of, of talent in Okuda. And at some point they want him to take over that number one spot and Amari be a great two. But I think right now, I think um, I think they're going to roll with Amari and then just kind of bring Akuda on slowly because they don't want to ruin his confidence, you know, and and, sure. and they don't want him to get hurt either. Yeah, uh, Ryan, you're going to have to to break the the Pride Detroit <laughs> staff uh, uh, tie here. Um, I know you're a big Aaron Glenn fan, so 
Do you believe he can uh, he can turn around both guys this offseason? Yeah, he's Aaron Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. And he's a Texas yeah. A&M. <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, no. Um, the one other thing that I got to get off real quick is Daryl Roberts. He'll he'll have a career year if he comes back to Detroit. So, um, <laughs> under under the tutelage of Aaron Glenn, but I I don't think it can be understated how awesome of a hire it was for the Lions to get Aaron Glenn because I think that that guy that guy has like head coach all over him, and uh, whether it's just a quick pit stop in Detroit or you know he's he's here for a while. Um, Aaron Glenn is one of the one of the hires that has me very optimistic about the future of the secondary. Uh, don't sleep on Pleasant either, because Pleasant, what Pleasant has done with the Aubrey defensive Plaza? backs, with their, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he is uh, what he's done with the Rams has been terrific. Yeah, no question. All right, I think uh, it's about time to to wrap this thing up. Unless you have another question there, Nathan, before we go. Um. Always have questions. Um, <laughs> I, I just love talking to Lions, man. They're, they're my team for, for life. So, I mean, I just want them to do well. Um, yeah. Do you think so far um, – I know it's kind of early, but just right off the basis with the moves – some of some some of the moves that they've made so far, how do you feel this organization uh, – this new regime is doing? I mean, it's hard to tell, but it does seem like every move that they're making is coming from it's all consistent, right? It's Mm -hmm. all like every from the minute he stepped in the building, Brad Holmes said he's going to be thinking down the line two, three years. And I think he's made some tough decisions, but he's kept with that plan. He made made a tough decision in trading Matthew Stafford and sure his hand was kind of forced there. Made a tough decision with Kenny Galladay, but again, it's kind of staying that course of keeping the next two, three years in mind, and that's what you need for a rebuild. We just saw the Pistons do the exact opposite when they tried to kind of keep their head above water during a rebuild. That's not how it works. That's not a true rebuild. And so it's it's encouraging to me to see a team go full in on a rebuild because it's not easy. You're going to get rid of some really good players. You're going to make some tough decisions. You're going to stink in 2021 um Mm -hmm. but i I do like that he's going all in it's it's a full measure to put it in breaking bad terms not a half measure um so i'm I'm encouraged um but obviously there's there's a lot left to see here sure either of you guys have uh, anything to add there no, I, I think it's kind of just too early to tell. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, and then I think with that, we'll wrap things up. I do have a couple announcements before we uh, close it up here. Um, we usually do these uh, locker room things on Saturday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. We will return to that schedule next week. The reason we moved it th- uh, this week was because we're going to have our full free agency preview podcast live on YouTube and Twitch uh, at noon Eastern on Saturday. And I want to tease something. There might be something that happens on Friday that I can't quite say yet. So keep an open eye uh, at Pride of Detroit on Thursdays, hopefully when we make the announcement. But keep, I would say keep your lunch hour open on, on Friday. We might have something special for you there. Uh, so for Ryan Matthews, Eric Schlitt, My name is Jeremy Reisman. Thank you for listening to the Pride of Detroit locker room. Be sure to join us next week. It's chaos. Be kind, everybody.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.